Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Washington, D.C. and the annual convention of the IPW, affectionately known as International Pow Wow. It's 49th annual convention here, which brings together more than 6,000 leaders in the global world of travel. It's an amazing four or five day event, speed dating and at the highest level of deal making. More deals get done here in five days than you can imagine. And it affects not just where people go or how they go, it affects the economies of every state in America and every city in America. And joining me now, the president and CEO of the United States Travel Association, which puts on this shindig, Roger Dow, and one of our regulars on the show, but now I actually get to see you in person and not on some cell phone from Shanghai. Isn't that the truth, Peter? It is. It's great to be here. IPW, first time ever in Washington, D.C., our capital. Which, Can which you believe it? makes no sense at all. I mean, my God. And, you know, because D.C. was always seen as the political city with not much for travelers and tourists, and now it's come alive. There's so much to do here. It's going to be one of the greatest things for D.C. because we'll do $4.7 billion worth of future travel here and the host city gets 10% of it. So this is a $500 million deal for U.S. Uh, so it's a win-win for destination. Huge for the destinations. And yes, they're competing against each other, but they're all representing the United States. Exactly. The, the message here, and we've been saying it loud and clear, is welcome. Welcome to the United States because they may not have heard that lately. And it's so, so important to get people to know the U.S. wants them here. We're close to terrorists, but we're open to everyone else. Let me hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> but no wall 
building. <laughs> that's not for me to decide. I, I like travel and tourism. Well, let's put it this way. Have you seen any walls lately? I have not. Good. That's double checking on that. <laughs> but when you think about the evolution of IPW and the way states were marketing themselves, in the old days, and that wasn't that long ago, you had a couple of key states like Illinois, for example, or California that were spending humongous sums of money, but the other states didn't have the resources. So they couldn't actually play in the international marketplace. Well, they not only didn't have the resources, but now with Brand USA coming on board, they're leveling the playing field. So whether you're from Wyoming, whether you're from Oklahoma, Missouri, you can play in the game. And the well, other- well, let's go back yeah, before okay. Brand USA because, you know, you and I go around the world. Uh, it's not unusual for me to sit down and meet with a country's minister of tourism, a cabinet-level official. Every country that I know of has one except for one. That would be the United States that of America. Be. Yes. Uh, we never have had one. So suddenly, when somebody finally woke up and realized that this is not necessarily such a good idea, what happened back in 2008-2009? What we basically did is we uh, we looked around the world, and the U.S. was losing market share like crazy for 10 years, and we didn't even know it. But everyone else had discovered this darling we call travel and tourism and had these ministers of tourism. We're spending 60 to $200 million promoting come to their country, and we were silent, and we were losing share like crazy. And we stood up and we said, it's time to begin promoting America. How did you do it? What we did is a, a idea that was, I think, really unique is that basically when people come to the United States from visa waiver countries, they pay $14 every two years. So you can come 200 times in two years, and it's only $14 once. And that $14 goes uh, a little bit to Homeland Security and to a pot to promote travel and tourism. And that pot goes to $100 million, but the travel industry can't get one dime out of it unless they put in a dollar. So the travel industry is bringing, yeah, matching funds of $100 million. So now the U.S. has a $200 million promotional campaign to promote from everywhere around the world come to the U.S. And that means somebody in Fargo, North Dakota has just about as good a chance if they're running tourism than than Chicago. Right. And the other thing that happens is in the past, California would bring travel writers or uh, tour operators to California and they'd go home. Then they'd come next month, Phoenix would bring them into Arizona and Arizona bring them in. Now with what we're doing with uh, the whole United States and Brand USA, they might come into New York, then go to Washington, then go to Chicago, then go to California. So we're showcasing all of the U.S. together, which hadn't been done before. And it's no longer one-dimensional marketing because that doesn't work. It really doesn't. I mean, it's got to be social. It's got to be trade shows. It's got to be print. You've heard of print, haven't you? Yes. And also broadcast, television. You've got to do it all these days. And that newfangled thing called radio. And radio. Let's not forget that. That's for sure. More people get their news from Terrestrial Radio than any other medium. Did you know that? Because you're giving the news out. That's why. Yes, I am. Okay. (laughs) But bottom line is you can gauge year over year the numbers. So even though we're in Washington this year, last year we're in New Orleans, next year you'll be in Mm -hmm. Denver. Where do you think you're going to end up five days from now? Five days from now, we'll have ended up having uh, probably 6,400 people here from 70 countries, 1,600 of the largest buyers of travel around the world, 500 members of media, 110,000, you said speed dating, 20-minute appointments, (laughs) and they'll do $4.7 billion worth of travel to the United States. Not tomorrow, but for years to come. And last year? Last year, similar numbers. We have the highest number of media this year than we've ever had. Similar number of buyers. And people thought that with change in administration things that the numbers might be off, and they're not. We actually have more people here this year than we had last year. So the message there, at least on the surface, at least, is that travel is quite resilient. Travel is very resilient, but it's also very fragile. You and I saw 9-11. This travel industry came to its knees in 45 minutes. It was down for months and years. 
You know, we forget that not only did it come to its knees in 45 minutes, the federal government had to literally and quickly bail out the major airlines because they were so undercapitalized, they literally ran out of money. There's no question about it. They immediately pumped $5 billion into the airlines, gave them $10 billion in interest-free, non-recourse loans, and really had a problem up, which I think had to be done. But now they're extremely healthy, and we want to make sure that they don't, with sharp elbows, try and keep other airlines from around the world coming well, here. Isn't that ironic that an, an airline business in this country that was bailed out with subsidy, essentially by the United States government, is complaining about unfair competition from foreign carriers that may may be getting it themselves? Yeah, I, I grew up in the hotel business, and uh, when a competitive hotel came up, you just said, "How are we going to compete against them?" Not how are they funded? And I think the airlines have to do the same thing: better service better treatment of passengers, more routes, and compete, and not try and be protectionist. You know, one of the things that I've, I've noticed here, they've had a very big advertising presence at IPW, is Norwegian Air Shuttle. And these guys are unbelievable. They are now flying from more European destinations in the United States than any other European carrier. That's how fast they've grown in just three years. They're growing very fast, and what they're doing, they're bringing a new traveler. I mean, our airlines were very opposed to them, but the bottom line, I keep saying, hey, this is training wheels. These are people that right now may not be able to afford to go on a United, American, or Delta, but in the future they will. And so this, the more people we can get here, the better. And so I think it's so important. Well, the price comparison is astounding. I, I priced out a coach airfare just yesterday, New York to London. Round trip. What do you think it was? Coach. On, on who? Delta. Delta. Um, Round trip coach. 2200 2600 Okay. Okay. Round trip coach on Norwegian, New York to London. 499 798 All right. Well. But that 798 is, is one, almost one quarter of what Delta was charging. And they're flying brand new 787 Dreamliners. Toto, I'm feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. by the president and CEO of the U.S. Travel Association, Roger Dow. Roger, I don't know about you, but I'm attached at the hip with my uh, laptop. Uh, when the ban was first announced, I hate the word ban, but they, it's a loving word these days yes. in certain parts of our government. Um, it was applied to about 10 different locations around the world, mostly Gulf, Middle Eastern, and some African countries. And you saw almost an immediate effect, uh, in, in almost a flatlining of business travel. Uh, Emirates cut almost all their double daily flights down to single daily flights to this country. Uh, we're seeing a lot of people choosing not to go. And I, I, I like to think that this is a good example of the law of unintended consequences because it wasn't properly thought out. You know, there are rules at corporations that you can't be separated from sensitive business information, SBI, like your computer. Given that choice, people don't want to go. They don't want somebody to loan them a laptop or an iPad when their, their information's not on it. So there's the first problem. And now there's talk, and there's been talk for quite some time, of expanding the ban. But here's my question. You and I go back to a time maybe 12 years ago uh, when, and l l let's talk about how this started. This started because U.S. intelligence received chatter that a Yemeni bomb maker that they were tracking had said, had claimed, had boasted that he had perfected the art of inserting chemical explosives into a laptop with a detonator that could not be detected by normal x-ray machines during security uh, on those you know, conveyor belts and that it could be detonated by a, a suicide bomber on the plane. I get it. Scary, right? No doubt about it. Sure. Well, 12 years ago, another bomb maker made the same claim. 
And guess what the Germans did? The German security guys figured out the solution for it immediately. They went to every manufacturer of every electronic device. In those days, Walkman, remember those? Uh, you know, uh, laptops, uh, iPads, uh, whatever. And said, give us your exact specs on every machine and model you make. Color, weight, height, material. And they created a manual that was at every security checkpoint. And when your laptop went through, or your Walkman, or whatever device you had, when it went through that conveyor belt, at the end of the conveyor belt, guess what was waiting? An electronic scale. And you had to put it on the scale, and it had to match the specs of the manual. And then you had to open it up and turn it on. Guess what? No problem. Nobody got blown up. That technology was there 12 years ago. And there's no difference. I keep asking the question of our security officials. The Germans solved this 12 years ago. Why are you considering a universal ban? Yeah, and I, I think all these things, without security, Security, there is no travel. No, so that part we got. So we totally support security. But the problem is, is how things are rolled out and how they're done, and how they're thought out. Uh, just to do a knee-jerk ban out of certain countries, well, people come from other countries too. And uh, I understand the Emirates is actually giving people computers on board. Oh, listen, it's getting so crazy that you know the the DHS was saying up until about two weeks ago, it's not a question of if we're going to do this; it's a question of when. So get ready. Well, the U.S. airlines went nuts. Delta Airlines went out and bought nine thousand iPads right, to be able to loan to their passengers. Now I joke to them that if the ban doesn't happen, I got an idea. Instead of hauling somebody's ass off the plane if you're overbooked, just give him an iPad. He'll get up. You, got, you, have, you have currency now, right? Yeah. But the point is, they didn't institute it. Uh, the U.S. airlines were fighting against it, but the guys who really fought against it were the European airlines. And the word that I heard is that they basically said, you do this, we're going to reciprocate. We're, we're going to do something that you won't like. Because the economic, they could see the economic impact. It was, it was, not, it was not a mystery to them. Yeah, I think these things have to be thought through and carefully communicated. There's such a mix-up. I just was at uh, IPW this morning sitting with some journalists, and they were showing me, well, they let me take this on board. They told me I couldn't take this on board. But look, I could take this on board. So there's not even clarity of what you can do. And I think that's one of the challenges. You know, if we know the rules, if we know why, and if we know ways of working around it, just like you said, I think we can still have security, but not totally impede people from traveling. And yet, people are still confused, and just the perception that it's coming is is making people rethink their travel plans. Oh, there's no question about it. I, I, I know people that, you know, separate for more than a nanosecond from their device is, uh, drives me okay, crazy. Okay, admit this, admit this, admit this. Do you sleep with your iPhone? I do not. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but so many people do. In the old days, it no. was their BlackBerry, you know. No. But the point is, it's close to you. Yeah. And you don't want to be separated from that, and you don't want to be separated from your laptop. So what's the solution? Because what the airlines are also saying is if this ban got put into place or expanded, because it's already in place in 10 countries or 10 locations, if it got expanded, each airline would be taking a 30 to 45-minute departure delay because they'd have to check in all of these laptops in a way that they weren't throwing them just in the hold. They'd have to put them in individual identified containers. Now you have a liability issue. You have a liability issue because what if they lose it? What if they damage it? What if they destroy it? What's their financial liability? Under the current rules of engagement, they don't have any. Right. Who wants to fly under those circumstances? And then you had the pilots' associations screaming bloody murder. They didn't want 80 to 100 lithium-ion batteries in the cargo hold because we all know what happens with a lithium-ion battery fire. We just had one the other day on a JetBlue plane. Right. There is not. I don't want to scare anybody, but as you may know, I'm a fireman. I can tell you for a fact, there is not a fire suppression system on any airplane made in the world that can fight a lithium-ion battery fire in the air. You want 60 to 80 of them in the cargo hold? So what are we trading off here in the interest of safety and security, all of which, by the way, we're in support of? Yep. 
It's one of the complex issues of our time, and we're going to have to live with all these things that come along and stay one step ahead. But as you mentioned, it's it's uh, data, information that we get is better for security than all the kinds of things we do that maybe not give you a great security, but they look good. Exactly. Now, next, next up for bids on the prices right here is one of our favorite topics, and that is what we call Fifth Freedom Flights, uh, one of my favorite things. Uh, and by the way, if I want to go from New York to Milan tonight, I can take Emirates. Right. Now, Emirates is based in neither New York nor Italy, but they get to fly the route. This summer, I can also fly from Newark to Athens on Emirates. Again, how did that happen? Because they got the slots. Because it qualifies as a fifth freedom flight right. Uh, I was going from uh, Sao Paulo to Buenos Aires. I flew Turkish Airlines. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Again, fifth freedom flights. And the U.S. airlines are now complaining about that when, in fact, we've been doing it for years. It's been done for years, and the U.S. airlines are the ones that wanted all these things because that really allowed them to grow internationally. And now that they've grown internationally, they almost don't want anyone else to have it. And it's a big problem. And you take the flight to Milan. Uh, we've been tracking it. The uh, American flight is, flights are to capacity. And then Emirates came along and then added more visitors. So it's actually a one plus one, not taking away. If anyone tells you they've lost business on Milan, it's not true. Well, Delta Airlines used to have a flight from Atlanta to Dubai every day. Mm-hmm. And it was full every day. They canceled the flight. Yep. Now, that had to do with more than of what it cost Delta to operate the flight. Yeah, that was all ground cost and all that. It wasn't the, the plane and that. But, uh, so these, uh, but we want the people to come through Dubai. I mean, if you look at Southeast Asia, India, they're Africa, coming right through there, yeah. that's where they're coming through. And people weren't talking about China 10 years ago. 10 years from now, they're going to be talking about Africa and all the business from Africa. And if we shut the U.S. off from those areas, it's going to be costly. So what's the upside here? Because you and I see these press releases every day of a lobbying effort in this country to, to ground these airlines on those Fifth Freedom flights, to stop them from flying uh, those routes, and even the other routes to, to those countries where they actually are based. Well, the answer is is there's more than enough to go around. It's the rising tide helps all boats. Our U.S. airlines are growing at 2% a year. International travel is growing about 6% a year. We can't meet the capacity. And I'm saying to our U.S. airlines, compete, get as much as you can. And as a rising tide, raise all boats, you'll get more business. And uh, you can't protectionism, – protectionism has never worked in the U.S., ever. We've lost our shipping industry, our steel industry. You can't win by keeping others out. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. Joining me now, the CEO of Brand USA, Chris Thompson. Hey, great to be with you, Peter. You know, we've done the show before. We've done this show before. Yeah. We did it last year in, yeah. in, in New, Orleans. New Orleans. What's changed? You know, I just think that the show gets big, better and better every year. Uh, I think the job that U.S. Travel does uh, in, in producing the show, the opportunity they give us as the premier partner to welcome our world of stakeholders to one place every year, hold up one destination, and otherwise promote the entirety of the country. Our booth is bigger than it was last year. Our, the big screen that everybody's used to is, is twice as big as it was last year. And the optimism is bigger better is well, you know in this case it is okay just double checking it's okay. bold 
older. Okay. And, uh, and the optimism and enthusiasm people have to come to our nation's capital for the first time. I remember four or five years ago when they announced that it was coming to D.C., that there was just a round of applause and everybody was yelling. Because it had never been in D.C. It had never been to D.C. And you know, I often say that D.C. is not only a world-class city, but it's also our nation's capital. And there's so, so many things that make it that unique uh, that uh, the world is so excited about coming here. Now, this is also your hometown now. It's brand USA's it base. It is. Uh, part of your mandate is to continue to educate the elected representatives just so they understand not just what you do, but why you do it. Yeah, and we're going to have a really good opportunity because the show's right here and our friends at U.S. Travel are helping us uh, educate and maybe have um, several members of Congress come by and actually see the personification of this public-private partnership that was created in 2010 to bring federal resources and private resources together to promote our nation's number one service industry and 12% of everything the largest economy in the world uh, exports is tied to what this floor does for a living every day. And I should say as a journalist, it's one thing to see what you're marketing to the rest of the world. I look at it as marketing to me too because I walk around there and I get ideas. Absolutely. Because you know, it's you could actually walk from booth to booth and every five feet you go, who knew? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. And you know? literally every, all 50 states, the territories, the district are all on this floor, all telling their stories, all providing information, all inspiring travel, and, and otherwise asking our travel trade partners and our travel media partners that facilitate travel and help us tell our stories from 70 countries to do it in the best way, in the but, most productive way we can. But I would argue, and tell me if I'm wrong, that not only has the messaging changed, so has the content. And what I mean by that is, in the old days, you had individual states marketing themselves individually in a yeah. one-dimensional way. Yeah. Now you have them partnering uh, on the content so that you could actually go from one state to one state to one state per experience. Yeah, you know, we, we work really hard. Uh, one of the uh, pillars of our uh, statement of purpose is how do we add value that's been there for decades? I mean, we're only six, seven years old, but how do we more importantly create value that only we can do? There's only one national destination marketing organization, and we are the first organization that has had the privilege of wrapping our arms around this amazing brand that is so complex and so enormous borrowing the equity and then go leverage it on behalf of the travel and tourism industry. And that allows us to put the umbrella over all those destinations, all those brands, and really tell the story in a more compelling way. But if truth be told, you didn't just have the, the privilege, you also had the challenge. Yeah, it's a you challenge. Had, you had the challenge to get these guys to work together because yeah. they had not used to, they weren't used to doing that. Before. Yeah, and I don't think they quite understood what that value proposition was going to look like because I even, when I was at Visit Florida before I took this job, before Brand USA first came into existence. You were very I, territorial. I told the initial Come team, on. I said, here's the deal. I said, as long as you're not stealing my value proposition, with my partners who, by the way, are going to be yours too, I'm all in. But once you start doing things I can't do, then that's when I'm all in with you. And so that's what I've carried here as the CEO of Brand USA, and that really is what drives everything we do every day. But, you know, it's one thing to talk about Flora as an example because you had a pretty robust marketing position before Brand USA. Yes, but what about North Dakota? What about Kansas? What about, you know, West Virginia? That's another story. And those are the stories that are being told, and those are the ones that need to be told. So when we are here in our nation's capital, many of our partners are going to their uh, members of Congress and they're telling them that how important, first of all, the travel and tourism industry is and how important the relationship with Brand USA is because many of them would not even be able to be in the international markets if it weren't for the partnerships that we've created and the value propositions we've found together. And there are a lot of surprises there. Yeah. I mean, things that, you know, that they never expected would happen. Absolutely. Right. There are destinations in this country that had no clue they were about to be invaded. <laughs> That's true. By the Swiss, the Germans, the Italians. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, they were able to connect the dots. And there's some great stories to be told. Some our, our great friends in Myrtle Beach, Brad Dean, uh, he is such a huge fan of ours. And he will literally tell you that all the growth of international travel to Myrtle Beach, which he'll call a second-tier destination with not a lot of direct service, is all directly attributed to the partnership he has with Brad. Well, there's USA. not a lot of nonstop service between Frankfurt and Myrtle 
Myrtle Beach last no, time I looked. No, no, no. But he'll tell you there's Germans there. He'll tell you there's Chinese there. He'll tell you there's all these people that are showing up. And he, without hesitation, says that it would not have happened if it weren't for our relationship with Brand USA. As you look at the entire canvas of everybody that you represent, because you work for everybody, yeah. right? What's been your biggest surprise? Uh, I think uh, I say it to I say it still today. The day I walked in here, the unbridled enthusiasm and optimism that our industry partners, which are the brands and the destinations, had for our success was like nothing I've ever seen. Now I'm five years into that, and that is more that is stronger and more compelling today than it was the first day I walked in here. So that's a testament to me that we're doing our job, right. but that's also that they were seeing the value proposition. First, they got to hear it and then understand it and then activate against it, and I think that's been the biggest surprise to everything. And then the other surprise to a lot of people outside of this industry is how you're financed. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Because uh, we hear about, you know, there's a new budget on the books and it's another one presented and they're going to cut this, they're going to cut that. But you're not funded that way. Well, no. Uh, well, two things are uh, drive us. We were created by law and then we have to be appropriate funds every year. So our funding source, 38 visa waiver countries, in order for people to take advantage of visa waiver, they have to register electronically every two years and they pay a $14 fee, $10 gets set aside, and then we get to draw down on uh, that fee to $100 million a year. But we're not given anything. We have to bring $100 million to the table every year. So if you look at the perfect example of a public-private partnership, if you look at a federal government that's trying to find a way to cut a trillion dollars, they're not going to be able to do everything they want to do without finding ways like this to leverage their dollars with our dollars. Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go called the International Powwow. More than 6,000 global leaders in the world of travel here for a five-day convention, if you will, but a huge amount of deals going down. And if you want to gauge what's going on in the world of travel, you come here to figure out who's buying, what they're buying, how much they're spending, and where they're going. And joining me now is someone who is very worried about this, concerned about this, because it, it's, it's where it happens. It's make or to break it time, who runs the Illinois, Direct, Illinois Office of Tourism, Corey Job. Corey, you've done these before. It's, it's insane. It's action-packed. Actually, we have 142 appointments in the next three days on this floor, and $1.7 billion in deals will be done here. Uh, and it's pretty exciting. We, we come to this show, and 90% of our business is booked right here on the showroom floor uh, for the next fiscal year. And when you say 90% of your business, we're talking hotels. We're talking travel trade. We're talking new partners. We're uh, paid media opportunities, um, hotel opportunities, you name it. We, we have the chance. To, we're, we're in five international markets today as the state, um, and we're looking at expanding into China and in India. And uh, a fairly good book of a book of our appointments will be with the China and India market. So well, we're know, pretty excited about that. Three years ago, everybody was in love with the, with the word brick. Yep. Right. And, and and I added a K to that, by the way. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and Korea. Right. Brazil kind of fell down. Their economy is still not coming back. Mm -hmm. Russia is not doing too well. But uh, India and China and Korea are still hanging in there. Still hanging in there. Actually, uh, the Chinese market will surpass. Uh, the European market in terms of total number of visitors to the U.S. Uh, by 2021. And now so we know it's the a Chinese. You got to be in. We know the Chinese are coming to Chicago. Where else are they going in Illinois? The Chinese love and the Asian market love Route 66. Obviously, it starts in downtown Chicago and goes all the way across the country, the Santa Monica Pier. And it's a great opportunity for us. Obviously, Chicago being this world-class city with great architecture, shopping, et cetera. But uh, the international visitor, especially the Chinese visitor, wants 
wants to get out and take that road trip, that experience the real America. And we have that with Route 66. They also love the Great River Road, which is the mighty Mississippi. Uh, they love that, that, that where experience. Does that, where does that road go? That road obviously travels in Illinois, it, but it cr- cuts obviously through the Great Lakes and south. Uh, but it, um, really our pinpoints are Galena all the way south to the Quad Cities, home of John Deere. They love learning about agriculture and farming. And it's I a just want big to say, if I go to the Quad Cities, can I get on a John Deere tractor and drive it? I'll make sure you can get on a John Deere <laughs> tractor and drive it. I, I'll go with you. Really? You can do that. We'll, we'll, we'll mow we'll some heavy it. lawns? Okay. Absolutely. Or we have the a new South career. 40, as they call it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a, that, that, this concludes my knowledge of, of mowing okay. and, 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 uh, and horticulture. But So they like to get out and experience. Yeah. They like to take road trips. Obviously, they, they come from big cities. Well, they studied it. And they Yes, absolutely. And uh, they love the Lincoln history in our state capital, Springfield, of Abraham when Lincoln. When I was in Springfield, I saw so many Chinese at the Spring, at the at Lincoln the, Museum. At the Abraham Lincoln Presidential yeah. Library Museum. Yeah. The, the most visited presidential library museum in the country, by okay. the way. Piece of trivia for you okay. about that museum. Uh-oh. When you walk in there and there's a rotunda, yes. what's on the floor of the rotunda? What's on the floor of the rotunda? Uh-huh. Uh-oh, you're going to stop me now. No, but you'll love this because they, they sneak it in there every day to see if it's going to stay. And it usually doesn't. And they have to replace it. It's easy. A Lincoln penny. I was going to say a Lincoln yeah, penny. Yeah, okay. it's right there. You looked at, oh, there, oh, excuse me, heads, you know. <laughs> no, it's a good but, story. But the coolest thing about that, and you, you you can't take this stuff for granted, they've got the top hat. Absolutely. They've got the hat he was wearing. Yep. Amazing. It's pretty, well, I, I always say it's, for a museum, it's it's where Walt Disney meets history. It's a really unique way to tell the story, and, and obviously a very important piece of history in our bringing. So and if you read the, pretty, the Doris Kearns Goodwin book, Team of Rivals, yep. they have an exhibit there at the museum where you really, it comes to life almost as you realize how he had to manage people who hated each other right. to actually get to consensus. Absolutely. I mean, sort of like your job. We need uh, President Abraham Lincoln back today. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but at least some Somebody can make the piece internally. Right. right. Bottom line, where do you see all this going now? Because you have a limited budget. You've got to get out there and get your messaging out there. Uh, the optics are still not great. Let's be honest. Uh, Foursquare, uh, their latest report is that tourism is down 16% since last October to the United States. That's not an insignificant number. Well, in Illinois, we our domestic numbers are incredible. We just set another record, welcomed another million visitors in 2016. Over 110 million visitors came to Illinois last Domestically. year. Domestically. Domestic. Well, thank we, you, we, gas prices. Thank you, gas prices yeah. and uh, the accessibility. Uh, internationally, we've got to continue to work. I, the thing I, you say it all the time is partnerships. You've got to partner with a lot of individuals and organizations like Brand USA, other regional organizations, because that's the only way you're going to be able to spread, stretch your dollar. And and yes, we're doing great on the leisure market in Illinois. We're, the domestic visitors are there. We've got to do a little bit. We've got to grow those international numbers because we know that international visitors uh, stay longer, spend more money, and it's our re- our retail sector. So the Mag Miles, one of the best shopping uh, districts in the yes, country, Michigan Avenue, and on Michigan Avenue, and our retailers need need us, need our support. So it's That's all right. of us working together, talking about the message that we're open, we're welcoming, and we want you to experience these great things that we have in Illinois and around the country. One of the scary figures that I've seen is because of a drop in foreign tourism, they're they're predicting a retail hit of about ten point three billion dollars in this country. So for the folks living in this country. Get ready, sale at the mall for the retail business, not such good news. Hello and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now.
Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. And welcome back aboard the Greenberg Worldwide. If you're just joining us, let me tell you where we are. We're coming to you from Washington, D.C. and the annual convention of the IPW. That's International Powwow Convention, a gathering of more than 6,000 global leaders in the world of travel, which, by the way, happens to be the largest industry in the world. And uh, lots to report about here, especially in the wake of uh, Trump Nation, if you will. Uh, you know, that's it's topic A all, all around the, the building. As people try to figure out who's coming, who's not coming, why they may not be coming, how to get them back, how to get the messaging out there. In a world of, of, of breaking news every five minutes, it's a little crazy, but uh, no more crazy than in the travel business because the travel business gets affected by it so quickly. Uh, go back to the year 2001 and 9-11. We had that lost decade uh, where America was perceived as being unwelcoming, inhospitable, and closed. We made great progress since then, and uh, one of the people who was involved in that great progress is joining me now, Bill Talbert, the president and CEO of the Greater Miami Convention and Visitors Bureau. Bill, you were around back then. You're around now. You saw the dark days after 2001. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, it went off the cliff, uh, and it didn't bounce back quickly. Well, we were affected uh, more than anybody in the U.S. because half of our business in Miami is international, and 9/11 uh, was an air disaster. So we knew, and within days, we lost business. So we knew, uh, and it took us months. But I can tell you proudly, we were the first convention bureau, along with Las Vegas, 35 days later to have a new message uh, and really out there, back there selling. So we go through these cycles. You know, you go down, you go up their economies. But I, I think the the message here at Powwow, and Miami's had many, many powwows, I think we're going to get a gauge of a substantial amount of the travel business next year is booked at Powwow. So I think to gauge what you have been talking about, we're perceived as not welcoming. These are buyers of travel to the U.S. Over the three days of Powwow, we're going to see what's the effect been. And I'm going to predict it's not going to be as bad as we've thought. That's but, my prediction. But it will be down. You're, uh, you, I mean, uh, well, no, I'm in sales, you know. But okay, I'm I, in news. It's going to be down. Okay. <laughs> but, okay but let's talk but about But you know that. what I'm saying. I do. But, you know, it's not just, and you could go market by market. Uh, for example, we know travel inbound to the U.S. from Mexico is down. Travel inbound from, from Canada may not be as down. And then Americans traveling overseas, it's a very different approach. It's safe haven travel. Americans looking for places that they perceive to be a place where nothing's going to happen. So travel to Paris is down. After the events in London just earlier in the week, travel to London's going to be down. I mean, you can count on that, right? However, travel to Oslo, oh my God, up in the double digits. Uh, cruise line business, True. double digits. I mean, yeah. in many cases, 38% up. Yeah. Perceived to be safe places. Australia, New Zealand, right? Is Miami perceived to be safe? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're very accessible. We're uh, the only airport in the United States served by over 100 airlines. 106 airlines serve Miami. No other airport in the United States gets even close. Now, you know what that means in my book. You'll be on the runway for a while. No, no. <laughs> Here's the thing about Miami. Everybody thinks it's gates. It's uh, runways. I just said you're going to be on the runway for a while. Miami has four runways. Yeah. You're not You're not getting delays. You're not getting delays. Okay, I can quote you on that. Uh, you can. While uh, I'm sitting on my plane? Uh, <laughs> no, it's got, it's got. It's gotten better. It's gotten okay, better. Okay, there you go. You're, you're a sales guy. 
You are a total sales guy. <laughs> but, I mean. Uh, you know what? You, look, you go to the airports, they put rocking chairs at the airports. Yeah. You, you've seen that? That was Emilio. Yeah, but, but, but wasn't that a lovely touch? Yeah. You know what that means to me? You're going to be here a while. No, it's a, it's a very, I mean, uh, Miami International Airport is one of the top hubs in the world today. Yes. A lot of activity. Whoever designed the Miami International Airport should be put away. You know that. Now, they've gotten better. They've gotten better. But Absolutely. Some of the walks there are like 1.6 miles. No, no, no. Peter, there's a there's a rail line on the... I, I've the, seen the rail line, yes. It's four stops. I Go know. take the train. I've taken the train. Listen to me. It's. I said it's gotten better. Yeah. It needs to get a whole lot better. No, but it's, uh, you know, American Airlines serves 73% well, American of Airlines our, owns Miami International. Uh, well, 73% of the business. That As North I said, Terminal, they yeah. uh, is 60 gates. 60 yeah. gates. It's one of the busiest hubs in the world and and uh, also about MIA it's a downtown airport you're not no, you're in another close. state you're close in you're close in uh, and when you leave Miami International Airport the first stoplight you get if you're going to downtown is when you hit downtown the first stoplight you hit on Miami Beach is when you hit Miami Beach it's a downtown airport so whatever you do don't miss the light because you're going in the water <laughs> okay yeah that too yeah but what's your biggest challenge now well I think some of it's just a, this perception issue it's just this perception are are we a welcoming country you know, and I, we're welcoming people. We all know that here. We're a powwow. Once again, I think we're going to get a gauge of, of how the world sees us. But it's uh, it's it. Uh, our challenges are, are the same that they've always been: social issues, uh, man-made disasters, all those kinds of things. But uh, and they also have one other thing that you can't control. And that's the power of the U.S. dollar. The U.S. Yes. dollar against other foreign currencies right now: the euro, the British pound. Uh, if you take a look at other currencies that most people don't even think about, the Turkish lira, the Egyptian pound, the Argentinian peso, it's the dollar is king. Yeah. So if you're traveling from the U.S., you're, you're in for a 35% discount anywhere you go. And it's 25% more expensive to come to Miami than it was before. But it also... So what know, are you doing in Miami to try to level the field a little bit? Can you do it? Can, well, you, can you approach your hotel partners, not necessarily your airline partners, because they're not necessarily based in the U.S., but your hotel partners have, are? We have a new program in Miami called uh, Hotels First. We're uh, launching a program for the summer. I think everybody knows you certainly do Miami Spice and Miami Spa. We're going to put a hotel component over that, but uh, we're going to focus. You know, if you've got Airbnb, there's a lot of Airbnb uh, in Miami, one of the you know, most robust places in the country for Airbnb. Have the hotels stopped fighting them? They never really fought them. Yeah, they did. No, not in a formal way. Oh, Here's, oh, wait a second. No, the hotel chains have, haven't. And oh, they went after them in terms of taxes, liability, insurance? Well, in, in Miami, starting May 1st, yeah. Airbnb, to the extent they operate legally, are required to pay the hotel taxes. That's like saying to the extent the drug dealers operate legally, I'll buy dope. Yeah. I mean, the point it's is... It's like if you remember uh, uh, Uber and Lyft. Yeah. Remember Uber and Lyft? Can I get an Uber at Miami International Airport? Uh, yes, you can. Okay. It's legal. It's legal. It's legal. Okay, so they, they actually broke through. Yeah. Can they actually pick me up at the airport, or we yeah. have a secret parking spot? No, that's all changed. Okay. This, the economies evolve over time. This Recognizing <laughs> this new, new ways that we do business. We, you... You know, to some extent, you know, genie is out of a bottle. You can't stick the genie back in the bottle on a lot of this stuff. And it evolves. Look, we're going to have driverless cars. You won't have Uber. We'll all. I'll, I'm staying home for that. I am too. Hello? Uh, this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. Head out on the highway. Looking for adventure.
She's with an organization called Recreation.gov. Most of you have never heard about it. Most of you need to know about it because it's an amalgamation, if you will, of just about seven or eight different federal agencies, ranging from you know the, the Park Service to uh, the Bureau of Land Management to Fish and Wildlife. It's not just Yosemite. It's not just Yellowstone. It's giving you basically a resource of all the different locations, experiences around the country that you had no idea even existed. And joining me now, from Boise, Idaho, she's here. Janelle Smith, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. How old is Recreation.gov? Well, the site really has been around for about 10 years, and um, but the reservation system even longer than that. You know, it's one thing to say you want to go to Yosemite, you got to reserve, and you got to watch out for the bears, and, and you're staying in a long line. I'm not, I'm not trying to put them down, but it's almost over-visited at some points of the year. Uh, and yet we're talking about more than 400 national parks and monuments alone, not mentioning rails to trails, not mentioning hikes, not mentioning marine preserves. I mean, and all that is contained in, in this website. Yeah, we have information on virtually all the federal and public lands across the, the United States. And one thing we're really trying to do is bring attention to those lesser known places. Just as you're talking about the iconic, we really want people to understand and discover these special places that are just down the road from Yosemite or Yellowstone. You know, when I was in Yosemite, I found that California had a state park that was just as great. And it was like within 20 minutes and it wasn't crowded. Absolutely. And, and you could go on an old Model T and cross the river. It was very, very cool. But we're also talking about uh, lighthouses. Right. Yeah. There are dozens of lighthouses that, that are along the coast and even in the Great Lakes areas that offer tours to the public. And we curate content to help people really know about those and when they can go and, and when the tours are available. And speaking of curating content, uh, we, uh, I was recently on the train, the, the Crescent, which is an amazing historic train on Amtrak that goes from New York's Penn Station all the way down to New Orleans. It's about a 30-hour trip, mm-hmm. and you're going through 13 different states uh, and, and, uh, and Atlanta, who gets on the train, but U.S. Park Service interpreters who actually are storytellers. And all the way from Atlanta down to New Orleans, and we're talking through you know places like Hattiesburg and, and uh, uh, mis- other places in Mississippi, like Meridian. I mean, they are literally saying, look out the window. You see that? But you didn't know that. And they're really telling stories of places that you had no clue about. And we want people to fall in love with these places and to come back and to care for them, uh, create these lifelong memories uh, that they'll carry with them always. Now, one of the other things in your website or on your website is the opportunity for you to actually not only visit, but maybe spend the night in a, in a Forest Service watchtower. Right, uh, yeah, do people know that in Forest Service locations throughout the West, it, they can actually rent a lookout tower that was used to spot wildfires. And these are some really unique experiences that people can have that they may not know about. Now, if you're gonna do that, a couple of words of caution. Number one, you gotta be physically fit because you're climbing up. Number two, it's BYO all the way. <laughs> There's no room service. Right. There's no Wi-Fi. Usually. Right. Uh, there's no TV. There's no HBO. I mean, you're, you're literally out there by yourself. It's, it's a rugged experience, but one that will but it's be authentic. memorable. Absolutely. In all the things that you've got on the site, personal favorites for you that are truly a surprise. You know, the lakes that we like to, to go and discover, going to some of these lakes and finding out that they have these amazing marinas and that we can water ski with our sun uh, with these backdrops of beautiful mountains are always some of the, the best experiences. Well, I found out one uh, in at Crater Lake at the, national, at the National Park there. You can go out on the lake at a certain time of, of the year with the right guide, but it's available to anybody, and you can go to a little island in the middle of the lake that nobody knew you could go to. And then you can go fishing there 
and you get and for me you get to keep the fish you actually get to eat the fish i'm not a catch and release guy i have to tell you i work so hard for that fish if i catch it it's dinner but what an amazing experience to be able to do that in crater lake right there in oregon oh absolutely so the website again is recreation.gov uh, it's not just the resource information, but it also allows you, even for the more populated places like Yosemite and Yellowstone, to make a reservation. Yes, yes. We have over 90,000 different sites that you can reserve. Whitewater permits, tours to national monuments, cave tours with a ranger. There's such a variety that people can choose from. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.